Uh, if we have not met again, my name is James and I'm really grateful to be up here again every uh, year or so. I'm, I'm, I'm really privileged to be able to come and share some time with you guys. I usually up here on holidays because I, I think the Gold Coast is one of the best places. I really do. I love it. I come up here to holiday every year with my, my wife and kids. Uh, and, uh, but I usually get to be a part of this church family. And so just good to be back. And hey, do you love your pastors? Aren't they amazing? Can we, can we give honor, honor is due? Let's honor the amazing Dan and Hannah. These guys are doing such a great job and I just love seeing what God's doing in the life of uh, this church. And I know that it's exciting days. And guess what? Like you, hey, you made it. You, you made it through 2020. Like how cool is that? Some people are like, have we? <laughs> really? No, you have. You've made it. And, and I just want to, uh, I guess today, be an encouragement to you uh, and really share something I think's, um, you know, needed for the church, I believe, right now in the world, and something that God has been challenging our church community on, and so I hope this is going to encourage you. Uh, But I do bring greetings from our church, my wife and kids. I have four kids now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was an interesting response. No one clapped. Everyone's like, oh... Oh, jeez, jeez, do what you can. <laughs> no, but appreciate the encouragement. Uh, so we have four kids, all doing well, and uh, just love, love uh, family. How good's family, right? Okay, we can, maybe I need to preach about family today. Everyone's like, okay. Come on, how good's family? You love your family? Yeah, you love your family? Yep. And if you're, here's the thing. If you are not part of a great family, and I get that, we live in a world where there's a lot of fractured and broken families. I just want to tell you, when you step into a place like this, you actually become a part of a family. And so whether you've had a bad family experience or a great, great one, when you and I start to follow the way of Jesus, we don't just join a service or a community. We really join a family. And so you've got family here. And I love Kurt. What a great message. Pastor Kurt on that one as well, sharing around just the heartbeat of this church. Let's, let's honor him. That was great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Looking good up here too, man. Come on, bro. Like a Bruce Willis up there. I don't know what is going on. Bruce Willis. Die hard. Okay. So, uh, but... Uh, Hey, so we're going to jump into the Word of God. Now, I have to warn you, I'm going to preface this message, is that um, if you are new to faith here today or you're new to church, maybe uh, you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower yet, you're so welcome here, we're grateful that you came along, you're welcome anytime. Uh, And today's message is a message that's really for those who would call themselves Jesus followers. Uh, And and you can, if if that's not you yet, I I believe that today you can actually ultimately experience the love of God for your life. And I pray that that is your experience here today uh, and the beautiful reality of Jesus. But today is a message where I want to, um, I kind of want to challenge, sorry, lovingly challenge the church. Is that all right? Oh, it's too late because I've already got the microphone. But uh, I want to do that. And so has anyone ever been to a chiropractor before? Give me a little wave. You've been to a chiropractor? Yep. Is anyone a chiropractor? By the way, in here, a chiropractor? Really? The locks guy, you're awesome. I knew there was something special about you. There you go. Okay, so if you go to a chiropractor, um, how many people know that you go there because there's something potentially out of alignment? And so you go there to deal with, and when things are out of alignment, that causes excess pain or unnecessary pain. And so what you do is you entrust yourself to this person. Yeah, we, we entrust ourselves. I still don't get, where do you even learn to twist the neck that far without breaking it? I'm like... Is there a TAFE that you study that on, that people come in and... Weepings box. <laughs> I'm never going back. That's horrible. Anyway, so, so we, uh, when you go there, you entrust yourself to these people. And then what they will do is they will, you know, kind of, they will, they will crack your back or your neck or whatever it is. And, and how many people know that for a split second, there's a moment of pain? Like, oh, like this. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, is it over? For a split second. And then what do you feel? Relief. 
wow, oh my gosh, that feels so much better because now my body is back in alignment. And so what I aim to do today is not to, again, assume that this is where the church is here. And again, I never want to assume that. This is the moment of encouragement. But I believe around the world today, God is trying to bring His church, His body, back into alignment. And there's some things that He wants to kind of crack. And there's going to be some, oh, oh my gosh, that kind of hurt a little bit. But this is going to bring relief. Amen? Okay, so, so I need you to smile like extra more this morning. Like just smile heaps more than you usually do. Let's smile. Is that, can you do that right now? Yeah. Some people got great teeth. Beautiful. You've got great teeth. Amazing. Uh, but, but also uh, to, to open yourselves up. Again, maybe you're new to all this. I get it. Uh, but open yourselves up to what God would have to say, because I believe this is relatable to everyone in this room in some way, shape, or form. But here we go. We're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, just pretend to grab something from your feet, and you will fool 99% of preachers that you brought one. Uh, come on, why don't you try that? If you don't have a Bible, just lean forward. Yeah, cool. Oh, look at that. See? Super holy. All right. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and we're going to pick up here in verse 1. We've got a bit of scripture reading to cover, uh, and then I'm going to do my best to unpackage this, and, uh, and it's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Ephesians 4 verse 1, it says this, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults. Because of your love. I love that. How good is that? Verse 3. Make every effort. Everyone say the word effort. Yeah, our favorite word, right? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as if you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Verse 5. There is one God. Sorry, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he says this, there's a little however, he has given each of you, or each of one of us, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Jumping down to verse 11. Now, these are the gifts given, uh, sorry, Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, watch this, here's this word, that we will be mature. Everyone say the word mature. Mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Mature, measuring up. Two interesting words there. Verse 14. Then we will be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, I love this, more and more like Christ. That's the goal, right? Who is the head of the church, or head of the body, which is the church. Verse 16, and he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Love that. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body, catch this, is healthy, growing, and full of love. Healthy, growing, and full of love. I pray that that is C3 Corumban's future. Don't you agree? Healthy, growing, and full of love. And so today, in these uh, few moments that we have together, what was it, Dan? Pastor Dan, again. So three and a half hours we have together. So in the next few moments that we have, just play it. Um, I want to speak to you from the, from the topic, the title, for those people that are taking uh, notes today. Uh, I, want you speak to, I want to speak from the topic, the maturing church. 
the maturing church, the maturing church, and, uh, and I have a big point, I always kind of have one big point that you could kind of chew on and maybe chat about in groups or in you know, conversations throughout this week, but here's my big point with this message. Uh, the ma- maturity in the world means acting your age. Maturity in the church means acting like Jesus. I'll say that again. Maturity in the world means acting your age. Maturity in the church means acting like Jesus. And so I want to pray because I believe God is taking you, I, us on a journey of maturing. And a maturing church is what? It's a church that starts to act more and more like Jesus. And so would you, uh, come on, we're going to pray together. We're going to commit these moments and ask God to really speak to us. And we're going to open our hearts, give Him a blank canvas. Let's do that together. Can we do that? Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we thank You for today. Right now, we slow down. God, all the things that we know we need to do this week, the things that have been hounding us from the week before, God, the pace in our mind and our heart right now that is still so, even though as we sit, we're still going on the inside, we choose to slow down, to give you space. We ask, come Holy Spirit, meet us where we're at. You know everybody's journey in this room. God, that we're all, again, on a different journey, but we're all walking alongside, parallel, moving in the same direction, which is towards you. So I pray today we would be encouraged. God, challenge us where we need to be challenged. God, but ultimately, we trust you. We trust you. And so the journey that you have for us, God is one that is going to bring life and life in abundance. So whatever it is, God, we ask that you would have your way in us and in this church community. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God another shout of praise. So good. All right. Here we go. So um, this year, my wife, Alana, and I, we have been married in September 19 years. How, hold the applause. Uh, 19. Come on, that's pretty good, right? 19 years. Yeah, it's pretty special. Yep. Well, okay, uh, tough crowd. So 19 years, 19 years we've been married. Uh, 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 my wife, Alana, and I actually uh, met long before that 19-year period, obviously, met in high school. We were high school sweethearts, but it wasn't the, maybe the usual story you're used to. We actually met at a punk rock concert. That's how we met, right? I was the drummer in the band, she was a stalker. And um, <laughs> I'm so brave telling this story when she's not here. Uh, so she stalked me. And so, uh, but, but anyway, we met at this concert. We then dated. We were 16 years old. Uh, four years later, we ended up getting married. And, and, and here's the thing. Now, leading up to our marriage, I don't know if it, like, how many people, by show of hands, you are married in the room? Give me a little wave. All the married people? Yep. Cool. How many people, you are single? Put your little hand up. Yep. Give us a little wave. Yeah, cool. Look around the room. Some, no, I'm joking. Okay. But there, uh, there, there's a, uh, I don't know if this happened for the married people, but there was a, a couple of times in our courtship, in our dating, uh, well, we actually broke up. We bro- Did anyone ever have that? Yeah, okay. Uh, leave me hanging. That's really great. No, we did. We broke up before we got married. Now, here's the thing. We actually broke up twice before we got married over that four. You know, again, it, if, you, if that's your journey as well, come on, it happens, okay? I'm not saying it's not healthy, but it happens. And so we broke up. Now, listen, the first time we broke up, Alana broke up with me. She broke up with me. Now, how crazy is this? She broke up with me on the, on the day before my 18th birthday and still showed up to my party. That's cold. That's cold. I don't, know. I don't care who you are. That's cold, right? Still showed up. Didn't even bring a present. But anyway, uh, we, we got back together. Uh, and, and, then, and then literally a couple of years later, I actually then, I broke up with her. And the reason why I broke up with her, and it's sad to say this, but I got to this point where you're like, you know what? I think, um, I, think I just want to spend a bit more time with the boys. I just want to hang with my mates and go surfing when I want. And not have to check calendars and availability if I'm allowed. Like, 
<laughs> I feel like you're judging me so much for that comment. But I did, okay? I just wanted to hang with the boys. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I think we need it. And so, so we broke up and I was just, and literally I hung out with the boys for like four days. And I'm like, what have I done? You idiots, okay? So I was a bit obviously distraught, heartbroken, and I sat down with my mum. I said, mum, like, I think I made a mistake. She's like, I think he did too. And so we're chatting back and forth. And, and as we, she started to console me in this whole um, kind of relationship disaster I was having, she, she said to me something that I will never forget. She said to me, which I still think to this day is a very good piece of relationship advice before you get married. She said to me, um, James, like, you've got a lot of feelings right now. There's a lot of things happening. Uh, but I, you need to ask yourself this question. Can you see your life without her? Can you see your life? If you look to the future, can you see your life without Alana in it? And it was in that moment, I had that moment of reflection. I thought, man, I looked to the future, started to think about what it would look like. And to be honest, I'm like, man, I can't see my life without Alana in it. I can't, and I knew in that moment, this is a woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. About a couple, obviously we got back together, and a couple months later, I bought an engagement ring, and then we got married, it was awesome, and then they made a movie about it, it's called The Notebook. Anyway, so it was this amazing, no, I'm playing. But they, the question I had asked myself was, um, can I see, it's a horrible movie, by the way, to base my relationship on, uh, really not. But again, the question was, could I see my life without Alana? And I couldn't. I couldn't. Now, I'm going to take a slight tangent here, because in a similar way, can I ask you this question? Could you see your life without relationship to the church? Could you see your life without church? And you think, James, really? Like, we're in church? What's that got to do with anything? It has a lot to do with it, actually. Because what I've found is there's this growing trend in the world today that says, I can follow Jesus and I do not need church. Don't need it. And so as, we started, as I started to really look at the future, especially during COVID and reflecting more on our journey as a church, I'm like, we've got to look at this because what has crept in is what uh, uh, basically sociologists call a hyper-individualism. Hyper, in other words, this is the definition, a tendency for people to act in highly individual way without regard to society. This is the world we live in, and I'm here to tell you it's starting to creep into the church. I don't need other people to follow Jesus. I don't need, I, I can do this on my own and it's creeping its way into the church. And so I actually am like, man, I don't know if I agree with that. In fact, I really don't agree with that. And so as, as a good pastor, I thought, man, well, I'm going to Instagram my thought. And, and I did, I put an Instagram out and this is what stirred this message on, by the way. I put out this statement on Instagram. You can follow me at James M. Murray. But as I, um, <laughs> such a ruthless plug. But I actually put this on. I put this word, uh, this statement on Instagram. I said this, famous last words of a dying faith. I don't need church community to follow Jesus. And I put it out there, click, it's gone. Say that again. Famous last words of a dying faith, I don't need church community to follow Jesus. And I put it out there, and once it's out, it's out. Right, have you noticed that? And, and, and these comments start popping up, and there's a bunch of people saying, man, yeah, that's so true. And then that's, I made a lot of them church pastors initially, yes, that's right. And uh, they're all encouraging. And then it happened. Oh, I started to get some, some, some hate, some pushback, and people started to leave comments, and I'm telling you, these comments blew up, more comments than I'd expected, especially of a negative tone. Some of them were this, not to name names, but just the comments, was this, I don't need, my, I don't need church community, my walk with Jesus is enough. Another comment was, you don't need anything to prove your faith other than a relationship with God. Another comment was, churches are just places of emotional and spiritual abuse. 
And the last one, or one of the ones that I'll put down here today, which I'd never heard before, uh, of my comment, they said, you are just gaslighting. And I don't know if you, if you know what gaslighting is, but basically it's a form of psychological uh, abuse or manipulation. They're saying, that's what, that comment, that's you gaslighting, trying to manipulate people. And I sit there, I'm like, my goodness, all these comments. And what I realized straight away is that these people weren't just saying something that they meant, well, I, I'm just upset at what you said. No, you're actually hurt. And church has hurt you, or a church experience has hurt you, or a community that, that is the ch- has actually brought that hurt into you. And I just want to say this, this is a slight time out for a moment. Anytime you see people upset and angry on social media, please be careful as believers how we respond, because a lot of the time they're actually responding out of hurt, and what they need is not someone to respond back with more aggressive comments, but actually with just some, some apathy, some empathy. Sorry, empathy, apathy. That too. Watch out. Did that come out? Is that my outside voice? They need empathy, thank you. <laughs> From the overflow of the heart. No, no, they need empathy. They need empathy. And, and I get it. And maybe, hey, maybe you're in this room today and that has been your experience. Maybe that's even why you're in this church. In fact, during COVID, I realized that I wasn't happy where I was or this wasn't happening. Maybe you are checking this community out to see what that looks like. And maybe your experience has been one of hurt in church community. And I just want to say, hey, look, I, I, I get it. We get it, but we need to come back to them, what is this all about? Why do we need to still fight for this to happen? So I started to ask the question, what causes a church to become unhealthy in the first place? Well, I wrote down a few thoughts. It's when we drift from Jesus being the center of the church into a person being the center of a church, a pastor, a charismatic preacher, right? That's dangerous. That can be unhealthy. An unhealthy church is what? We drift from pursuing the way of Jesus into empty religious actions and routines, We drift from God's word into our own opinions and preferences. We drift from God's truth into a truth we prefer. We drift from seeking the kingdom and presence of God to seeking to become more culturally pleasing. And watch this, last but not least, what makes an unhealthy church? We never promote and encourage spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. And this is what this message is really all about today. Because what we want to recognize, like, yes, there's some issues in the church. Would you agree? Okay, and, and the reason why is because it's full of people and the people are imperfect and we're going to have to deal with that for until eternity, right? That's all part of the journey. But we're to recognize this is that Jesus loves his church. He loves it. He loves what's happening here. So we cannot throw the church out because Jesus is coming back for his church, right? He's Ecclesia. He's called out ones. But also we must recognize is, is the reason why I think sometimes churches become unhealthy is because we've allowed an unhealthy language to creep in, which is what? Well, you know, we're not perfect. And that, I get that too, but sometimes that's an excuse to cover up the fact that, listen, it's true, we aren't perfect, but we should be perfecting. There should be a journey of, again, I've said this before, you know that statement, practice makes perfect, you ever heard that one before? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, you can never really fully reach perfection, but I do believe this, practice does make progress. And there's some things that we need to practice and put into play in our lives so that we become a progressing church. In other words, a maturing church, again, that looks more and more like Jesus. So that's what we're doing here today. Do you realize this? The goal of the church is not to create a church of perfect people, but we are trying to be a church full of people who are maturing to become more like Jesus. So that's it. That's, that's why you came here today. And so I want to actually keep on being more like the guy I'm following. His name's Jesus. 
And I want to, whatever I can to get around people who are on that same journey. And we're, come on, this is like a big support group. And guess what? We're all recovering sinners wanting to become more like Jesus, right? Like this is what church is. And so now we've got to realize there is a maturing process. And there is a journey we should seek to mature and become more like Him. And so Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and basically this is what he's starting to write to. Church in Ephesus is a pretty good church. Paul had some churches that he, he had to write to, and it was, wasn't going too well, and he was a bit more aggressive. But Ephesians is a pretty good letter. He's writing to encourage them. But one of the things he starts to write into, is like, guys, the community's going really good. You guys are doing great. X, Y, and Z. It's, it's a pretty affluent, opulent, uh, opulent area that, he's, um, that this church is now based in. And so he writes to basically say, guys, um, I still need you to pursue maturity. Like you're doing really good, but there's more to come. And there needs to be a maturing process that takes place in your faith so that we become more and more like Jesus. So moving really quickly, what does a maturing church look like from this letter in Ephesians? Well, first things first, we need to make a spirit-fueled effort to be different. We should be different. Like we really, we really, we should be. He says this in verse two, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort, keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, how many people buy a show of hands? How many people love the word effort? <laughs> Not many people. I mean, I've got a new tattoo. What does it say? Effort. <laughs> oh, it just motivates me. No, it doesn't. Like, no one likes effort. Like, for instance, um, uh, during COVID, did anyone uh, watch the, uh, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary series? Anyone watch that? Okay, if you didn't, it's a great series. If you ever liked basketball once upon a time, I did, because obviously the statue says it all. Uh, and, I, and so, that's cruel. But I, I started watching it, and I got this basketball bug. I'm like, yes, let's play basketball. And I was trying to get the guys together. I'm like, let's play more basketball together. And so I went down to Rebel Sport. I'm like, I'm going to buy a basketball ring. Let's do it. So I go to Rebel Sport, and at the very front of the store was a whole bunch of basketball rings in boxes. And I'm like, smart, they're smart. They know everyone's watching the documentary. And as I rock up to look at the boxes, on the front of the box, it says, assembly required may take three hours. I looked at it, I'm like, well, there goes basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Three hours? Like, how many people know that they need to rethink their marketing on that one? Three hours? I don't have three hours to spend assembling this. So, so, and the reason why, maybe that's not you, that's just me, but man, the effort required. I mean, I have to put all this effort in. Let me just tell you something. If you and I are going to become a maturing church, it's going to require effort. It, and that's not effort just on your pastor's behalf or your leader's behalf. It is on everyone's behalf why we're putting in the effort because we want to be a different community. So he actually puts it like this, that that there should be some things we are radically different in because we love our enemies, we bless people who write us off, we're different because our goal in life isn't to be the biggest success, but to be the greatest servant. We're different because we spend our lives giving while others spend their lives taking. We're different because we forgive quickly and love deeply. We're different. So he says this, he's like, how do we become that? Really quickly, basically we need to make allowances for each other's faults. If we're going to become a maturing church, how many people are into savings? You like savings? Again, it's not a support group. You can put your hand up, right? Okay, I was like, am I allowed to? Yeah, okay, so uh, uh, savings is a good thing. And the reason why you save is why? Because I want to be able to withdraw from that savings when I need it. Do you realize that in your heart, you should actually have forgiveness savings? You should have it. He says, make allowances for each other's faults. In other words, in your and my heart, we should have a, a stockpile or an account that is basically reserved for any time anyone does something, something wrong in, to me within the life of the church. And I can go, you know what? It's all good. I had some savings for that. 
I made allowances. And guess what? You're going to walk into church and someone is going to upset you. I, I've probably already done it. It's probably already happened. And you can email Pastor Dan. I'm going today. So, but, but here's the thing. You've got to recognize that this is what maturity in the church looks like. We're actually making allowances, not just experiencing the faults of others and go, well, I'm done. These people have hurt me, offended me. No, you actually say, I was ready for this because I made allowances in my heart for these things that they might unintentionally do towards me. Sometimes even intentionally. We make allowances and we make every effort. Again, it takes effort, it takes commitment, it takes that tenacity. So no, I'm going to keep on holding in here. We stay united. And then most importantly, we depend on the person, the Holy Spirit. To be a different community isn't just more of us and our strength and our effort. It's more dependency and trust in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I don't want to love Him like that. And I don't want to do this, but Holy Spirit, would you do that in me? Because I want to be different. But we need to make that Again, that intention, we're going to be different. Number two, and this one's going to sting a little bit, um, we aspire to Jesus like maturity. We aspire to it. Verse 14 says, or sorry, 13, he goes on to saying that we would be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we would no longer be immature like children. So, so I have, again, four children. My eldest is about to turn 14. My youngest is about to turn two. Okay, and then I've got my twins in the middle, about to turn nine in a couple of weeks. Uh, now, my, my almost two-year-old, Harry, uh, he right now is perfecting the tantrum. <laughs> like he's perfecting it. So, you know what? I'm going to do something really well, and it's going to be ta- like tantrums. And he is ta- he's just throwing them. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? I know sometimes animals eat their young. Like, I'm like, <laughs> this, this is so bad. And so he is doing that. But here's the thing. I have a 14-year-old, and he doesn't do that. He's a good boy. Not perfect. But he knows how to he knows you know how to talk to mum and dad, he knows how to treat things and people and so on and so forth. But how many people know if my 14-year-old was acting like my almost two-year-old, something would be kind of wrong. Because he should be maturing. Yeah. And, and and here's the thing: we need to recognize that in church, this is what I found is there's a lot of people who grow old in church, but they never grow up in church. So that's it for a little bit. Because just because you attend a church doesn't mean I'm becoming more mature. Just because I'm around more church activity doesn't make me more mature. No, it's actually the internal journey and growth. It's called spiritual maturity. You see, um, uh, I guess you may be sitting here going, man, well, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty spiritually mature. Like, I'm a mature person. And so I thought, <clears throat> just, just, just for kicks and giggles, let's just put a list together um, of what would be indicators of spiritual immaturity. Just indicators. So just, just smile. Can you smile at me? Do that for a second. Smile, okay? Because this is going to be one of those moments. Maybe, maybe. A few thoughts of indicators of of a spiritually immature person. Uh, Number one, your world is centered around yourself and your personal happiness. I had in my my notes there, pause for applause. I didn't, okay. Uh, Number two, you are quick to judge others. Number two, um, number three, you never take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. Number four, you're ruled by money. You can't tithe or give it away joyfully. Number five, you are happy to be served by others but never serve others. Number six, when things get hard in church, you have a tendency to leave. You're good? You're good? You're holding in there? Number seven, and someone challenges you personally, you're immediately defensive and refuse to listen and grow. Number eight, should I keep going? You are highly self-conscious and care how others perceive you more than how God sees you. 
Number nine, you would rather hide your sins than to deal with them. Number 10, the only investment you have in your faith is from a Sunday gathering. <sighs> Just breathe for a second. Smile. Yeah? See, these to me are not all, but some signs of someone who is spiritually immature. Now again, is, is that entirely bad? Listen, some of you, this is new to faith and you are learning on this. And just like my boy Harry is growing to become one day a man, you are growing one day to become more and more like Jesus. So I get it, there's things that we're journeying out, but we need to recognize that, man, there's, there's some things that we've actually put up with in our own lives that are actually just spiritual immaturity. And we need to grow up. And I say that lovingly, because I love you. I know your pastor loves you. Like, this is the goal of our faith, is that we're going to be more and more like Jesus. So we need to recognize that is actually what we're trying to pursue, to be more and more like Him, and make sure that we are, like Paul says, we're, we're actually maturing in our faith. And the greatest way that's going to happen is in the context of community. That you're going to allow people into your world. And you're going to reach a point, again, not overnight, but a point where you can be vulnerable and transparent. And you can say, hey, man, this is what I'm struggling with. These are some things that are going on in my life. Would you pray with me? Would you stand with me? I'm going to show up to church on Sunday, not because it's a requirement of religion. No, because I know this is one of the greatest places I grow and mature in my faith. Not the only, but it's the greatest. So these, again, that's the goal. Christ-like maturity. Number three, what does a maturing church look like? It is, um, it's, a, it's actually a community that works from love-motivated solidarity. Love-motivated solidarity. He says this in verse 16, he makes, again, Jesus, the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So catch this, it, there's actually something that we're doing together here. So it's not that the team's doing, the pastors are doing, we're doing, we are the church. How many people know that? that we, don't, we don't attend church, we become the church. Like, that's always the goal. So what I found, but is that we need to change some of our paradigms around this. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. My twins, my girls, they're going to be nine. Um, nine going on 16, right? A lot of drama in my household with my girls. There's always drama. Actually, a lot of singing and drama. So it's like a high school musical, right? <laughs> and so um, we, uh, we will tell them often, go and clean your room. Go and, go and clean your room, because they're always messing up their room, which I, I get frustrated with them, a little bit OCD, so I'm, I'm like, can you clean it up? So they'll go downstairs, and I'll walk in to try and help them, like just point out some stuff, and I'm like, whose shoes are these? So Jersey, put those shoes away. And she's like, they're not my shoes, they're Savannah's. And then I go, whose shirt is this? Jersey, can you put, no, Savannah, can you put them away? No, that's not my shirt, it's Jersey's shirt. Back and forth, pointing out the mess, no, that's their thing. And, and the reason why is because in their mature, immaturity, they're just too busy cleaning up their own mess and don't want to help each other clean up the mess. And I believe church community is a place where we recognize there are some messes. Would you agree? Do you get any mess in your own life? Yep. And we actually don't go, well, I'm just so busy dealing with my own mess. I don't have time. No, church community is a place where we come and love-motivated solidarity is our goal, where we help one another through love to clean up one another's lives through the help of God's grace and the person of the Holy Spirit. So that word solidarity actually means it's people sharing a common purpose or common responsibility. Guess what our common purpose and common responsibility is? One another. We're responsible for one another. No, I've got my own mess. No, no, we've got our mess and we're going to help one another do it together. Could you imagine a church that lived this? How radical. I'm telling you, it's happened before. I believe it's happening now in this church. And it's going to happen in greater ways. Why? Because we are a maturing church that's becoming more and more like Jesus. Number four, last but not least, and we're done. What does a maturing church look like? Will we live 
and encourage one another towards becoming the church Jesus planned all along. Jesus planned all along. He makes the whole body fit together, it says. Each part's doing its work. He's talking about all the different gifts that are in this room right now, all of us doing our thing. No one's left out of that. You all have a unique gift and grace from God to do something significant in this life. But he says, guess what? The outworking of this is the whole body is healthy, growing, full of love. Healthy, growing, full of love. You see, um, to me, these are the indicators of maturing church. It's healthy. Now, health is not perfect. It's just healthy. We're actually, we're doing that. So it's like, it's almost like going in for these checkups. How are we going? Are we, are we healthy? And I believe that's what a church starts to look like. It's healthy, but it's also growing. More people being added, more people coming into community, coming to experience the same loving God that we have. And last but not least, it's full of love. Do you know the greatest indicator of maturing church? It's not how much you read your Bible, how much you pray, how much you serve, how much you give. All these things are just byproducts. They're byproducts. Guess what the ultimate sign of maturing church is? Love. Love. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. And it's the way we love one another. And the world is looking in on the church right now more than ever. And they're not looking how well we do services, although services are great. Not well, how well we do the things that we do. They're looking at how well we love. And they see, I, I found this to be true, uh, even as a church, our church. Man, we love our area. We love the southern suburbs of Sydney that I'm called to reach and beyond. And we love all that. And I found it's really easy to love people from a distance than it is to love them up close. Because there's no, I want you to love people in here. Aren't we supposed to reach the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guess where it starts? Yeah. Love each other. We have long suffering with one another. Patience, allowances for each other's faults. And this is a sign of a maturing church. Maturity in the world means acting your age. Maturity in church means acting like Jesus. So as we finish here today, I know that there is a lot to take in. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant, I get that. But um, but here's the thing, I believe God's wanting to do something in the life of this church. I love your pastor, I love his heart for your church. Every time we chat personally, he, he, he loves this church and he loves you. And he wants all of you, both Dan and Hannah and the team, they want all of us to be a church that is maturing, looking more like Jesus. And I believe this is a year with as many people in this room and God saying, hey, let's go. And, and you've got to dispel that, no, nah, man, I, like, again, ask that question, can you see your life without this? Can you? You shouldn't be able to. I'm just going to say that plainly. You shouldn't. Because this is where that growth is going to happen best where you're going to become more and more like Jesus. And to become more and more like Jesus is to experience more and more of Jesus. Come on, the abundant life of God happens as you start to press into Him more and grow into Him more. That's where you start to experience something that the world can never give. That's the outworking of this faith journey. So it's not less like, well, I better mature because that's just the goal. Man, mature because it's awesome. It's awesome to be a lover of people who don't deserve love, and you can't even help it. I just can't help it. He actually says that you would be full, full of love. Well, my kids are always carrying around cups of juice or whatever, and I'm always a bit on edge. Like, oh gosh, where are you like, because they're carrying it, and they always say, no, I got it, I got it, and then they'll trip on something or whatever, and, and, and they'll spill it, they'll spill it. It's orange juice, whatever, it's on the lounge, and it just spills out. Now again, can I ask you a question? When you are 
bumped or pushed or the world around you bumps or pushes you, what spills out? What should happen is that what should spill out of maturing Jesus follower is this love. <laughs> I know you didn't mean to bump me. I know the world happens and life happens, but it, it bumped me and love just came out because he's just doing such a work in me. That's my hope for you. Anyone else want that more? Just love, healthy, growing, full of love. Let's pray together. Lord, today you know every person in this room. And God, we know that there's people even in this room who have had, you know, church experience, Lord, that has left them very hurt. And you see that. And I believe you brought them into a place like this that they could find healing. They could come back to a community that is going to nurture and help them mature to be more and more like you, God. And they're going to find, again, the healing that they need. I, I know there's people in this room, that's your experience. So I don't want to downplay that either. There is some serious situations like that in this room. But God wants to rehabilitate you again. Get you healthy and growing and full of love again. For some of you, this word's more of a challenge. And it's like, man, I need to, I need to mature. And again, that takes effort. So it's not like, oh, it just happens by osmosis. It takes effort. And this is a year where God's saying, come on, okay, it's time to, it's time to put the roots down and really get into this community really allow myself to go all in. And I know that scares some of you so much because you've done it before and it didn't work out so well. And God's like, hey, trust again, trust again. For some of you have already been on this beautiful journey. And I think um, last year actually showed you something about your faith. The psalmist said that a tree planted by the waters, it will not wither or fade. It'll bear fruit in season. And last year, didn't be, it didn't feel very fruitful, but guess what? You didn't wither or fade. Fruit's coming. Fruit's coming. And it showed you a side of your faith. My goodness, it was stronger than I thought. It had a, it, it's only those things, those life moments that reveal that. Unfortunately, it's, it reveals it to us the most. But you made it. And there's fruit to come. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of like, James, I don't even call myself a Jesus follower. Man, I'd like to. I really would. I want to follow. And again, I'm not asking you to, to sign up to a religion. It's, not, it's so much more than that. It's actually pursuing a person. To be a disciple, which the Bible calls us Jesus followers, is to look at our rabbi, Jesus, our teacher, the person we want to become, and just emulate him, follow him, do life the way he did life. That's what we're trying to do here. Encourage one another to do that. You're saying, I want to, be, I want to do that too. I want to follow this person called Jesus. Then I'd love to pray for you. So if you're here today and you're saying, I have never prayed that prayer, there's something in my heart is telling me I need God today. I need it. With our eyes closed, if that's you and you're saying, I, I want to be included in that prayer, James, I'd love to pray this with you. Let me have that privilege and honor to do that. But if that's you, I need to pray that prayer today. I need God in my life. I need to be in relationship with Him. On the count of three, just put your hand up and say, that's me. Here we go. One, it's between you and God. Two, He loves you. He really does. Here we go. Three, just put your hand up and say, include me in that prayer. I need relationship with God. I feel God impressing on my heart to get in relationship with Him today. If that's you, I'd love to include you in that prayer. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So good. Is there anyone else? 
I'm not saying are you part of even religious activity. Maybe you've been around church for a long time, but you have not got into a relationship with God. And that's where you're at today. God's saying, come on, let's make this real. Who else is there today? That's your prayer or your hope today. I want to be in relationship with God. Awesome. Well, for those who did lift their hands, and we're going to pray together as a church. And this is just a conversation we're starting with God that we want to encourage you to keep on having. It's called prayer. It's called communing with your Father in heaven. So let's pray this together. Say this, say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin, for my shame. Jesus, help me to live for you, to walk with you. Today, I receive your forgiveness, your salvation. And I start my journey with you in Jesus' name. Amen.